Well, good morning, Anthem. We are beginning a new series this week, The Stewarded Life. Uh, we just finished our series in the Gospel of John. And one of the, the main focus we saw in John, John and near the end of the Gospel gives essentially a thesis statement for why he wrote the Gospel. And he said, I've, I've written these things and recorded these specific things, highlighted these specific things, so that you would know life in Jesus, that you would have life in Jesus. So we looked at that throughout the series, the different angles at which John brings that in. And then we also, along the way, introduced these rhythms, these habits that, that Chris just referred to of, of seeking the Lord and, and the prayer and word in various ways, and then eating together, and then also speaking the gospel to those in our lives around us. And so these are, are kind of handlebars to take hold of to say, how, how, do we, how do we find or take hold of that life in Christ? Now, as we've been going through it, then we also had this sense where it's like, what does that practically as well look like to have life in Christ in all the everyday normal areas of life, all the practical aspects of life, in my marriage, in, in parenting, in, in going to school and in seeking an education and in my job, my career, in, in my, my, my physical health, and in, my, in resting? What, what does it look like in all these basic areas of life? What does it practically look like to find that life in Christ? And, and one of the reasons also, I, I've, I don't know about you, but I've been having a lot of conversations lately where we've talked about this in sermons, that we live in a time of really a lot of chaos, a lot of, as I'm talking to people in different industries, the word that keeps coming up is disruption. Everything in our lives right now seems to kind of be coming at us incredibly fast, and it's kind of overwhelming the times that we live in. And, and what happens in the midst of that is, is our lives become incredibly distracted, and they're kind of being pulled every which way. And, and in the midst of that, it even becomes vaguer and vaguer what it means to take hold of that life in Christ. And so the reason why we're doing this series is because we want to get really practical. We want to look at various areas of life. Okay, what does it mean to actually find that life in Jesus? And what we see at the core of it is that God calls us, one of the, this calling that he's placing upon us is a call to steward our lives. Before breaking down what the word steward means, I want to use a little illustration. And actually, if you were at the Ash Wednesday service, I used this illustration. I actually, not the object lesson I have here, um, but I used it. And about halfway through the sermon, I was like, this is a good illustration, wrong sermon. Uh, <laughs> and I had that moment while I was teaching. And then I realized when I was coming back to this sermon, I was like, oh, right illustration, right sermon. Uh, and here's what it is. So if one of the things that in our modern times that our lives look like is it's, it's like Spray bottle, right? And this is what our lives are called to be. Uh, we, we saw in John that Jesus says, if, if I will pour living waters into you, and then living waters will flow out of you, out of your life. And so it kind of looks like this, like it's, it's this steady stream, right? I'm going to, it's like, who, who's that, that comic? There's my in-laws. I can get them. Uh, <laughs> it's like, who can, who can I spray who won't sue me? Uh, and, and so, right, like, there's, there, you can see it online. There it goes, right? Uh, so you can have, you see a steady stream when it's focused, right, that there, there's this steady stream, and, and it can cleanse, that water that's focused can cleanse, it can cut. It, it's something that's focused. 
But then you also can have, if it's unfocused, it becomes diffuse, right? No one's scared anymore, right? All of a sudden now, you see that it's distracted. It's all over the place. It's unfocused. And see, what Jesus calls us to when he calls us to follow him and to steward our lives is he calls us to have a life that looks like that stream of living water, the stream that's focused, a life that goes out into the world for the glory of God, filled with the delight of what we have in Jesus Christ. You could say it makes an impact, but just is stewarded for God's glory. It's stewarded for God's glory. So what do we mean by stewardship? Stewardship comes from the Greek word for oikonomos, oikonomia. And, and oikonomos, it's the word oikos for essentially house. And then namos is the word for rule or law. And, and so it's a compound word that's put together. And what it means is really to, to manage, to, to put your house in order, to bring some kind of order to your life. The definition that we have is aligning your life with God's aims through faith and dependence upon Him. To, to align, to order your house, to order your life, to, to use it, to aim it, to focus it for the purposes that God has for your life. And, and I think oftentimes we think of the term stewardship, I don't know about you, but my mind immediately goes to like money, right? Um, it, it, we have these things like time, talent, treasure, and it's not less than those things, but it's actually we're called to steward all the different, as we'll see this word, domains of life. Our physical health, our spiritual health, our emotional life, our, our relationships, our friendships, our parenting, our careers, our habits of rest, our, our education, all these things are areas that we're called to steward for God's glory and according to his design. And so the goal of this series is actually going to be really practical. We're going to be looking at all the different domains of life, each week looking at a different one. And along the way, what we're going to be doing is developing by the end, essentially a focused plan where you can prioritize which one of these am I going to invest in and grow in and steward for God's glory. Now, I want to say as we, we go into this, this isn't just, the focus of this is not just to optimize the self. I'm going to come back to that a little bit later. But it's, the goal of this series is not just kind of this modern idea of optimizing the self, being the most efficient person. So I'm like a machine and I keep up with technology, right? Uh, that's not the goal of this, is just to optimize the self, but to follow the way of Jesus in a focused way. It's actually, at the end of the day, it's a denying of the self. Apprenticeship of Jesus is not just accounting for some idea that we should follow Jesus. Right? Some vague notion, like, yeah, I know if I'm a Christian, I know I should follow him. I'm, I'm kind of accounting for that. I should do that. I'm acceding to that. I'm assenting to that. But instead, it's taking steps that are accountable to follow Jesus and to focus our lives. It's not just so one of the things, this phrase I, I heard this week, that we wouldn't just be church attenders, but we would be Jesus apprentices, that be followers of Jesus in every area of our life, and that we would have focus kind of how do we do that? What are the handlebars for different areas of life? How do we steward them? Essentially, at the end of the day, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 captures the wisdom that we're hoping to capture in this series. When Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
So throughout this series, we're going to look at the various domains of life that we all have to live in, we have to navigate, and to think, how is God calling me to live in a focused way? A focused way. And we're going to ask ourselves today, today we're just going to kind of introduce this idea of stewardship. And how do I live my life? Really, is my life a mist or is my life being lived as a stream? Is my life diffuse? Is it focus on eternity? Where's my life and the energy of my life being spent? What's it being poured out for? So here's what we'll look at today. First, the summons to stewardship. Second, the stifling of stewardship. And then third, the script for stewardship. We're going to look at some basic starting points in thinking about stewardship. So let's pray and we'll dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this high calling that you place upon us as stewards. Lord, help us to see what an amazing calling this is. What a weighty calling it is. But also just what a delightful calling. I guess you could say fun calling that it is, that we get to join in your work of making all things new through the person and work of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you call us to be creative after you, to work after you, uh, Lord, to, to delight in you, and then to put our hands to the plow, and Lord, to cultivate a life for your glory and filled with delight and joy in you. So Lord, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the summons to stewardship, this is, as Chris read, I'm going to reread the verse that he read, or a few verses from Genesis 1. This is after God creates the heavens and the earth, and on the sixth day, he then, at kind of the climactic moment, God creates humanity. I want it to be fresh again in our minds, it says, and I know this is a, a passage that probably many of you have heard a lot of times, even if you're going, I haven't been in church in years, I, this passage at least is vaguely familiar some of the terminology. It says, then God said, so but hear it afresh, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God created us with a specific purpose. He calls us, he summons us from the dust to a specific purpose in our lives. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a boldly repetitive thing where I know I've gone over this several times, but if this is one of your first times here, you may have never thought of it this way. Genesis starts in this way because God, it says, from before time began, and we saw this in John 17 with Jesus praying to the Father and saying, uh, glorify me with the glory that I have with you before the world was made from eternity past. What's Jesus referring to there? He was referring to something that we see throughout Scripture. And we see this between the Father and the Son and references to the Spirit of God having this eternal past existing relationship, eternally existing relationship. And, and we see in that relationship that God is love, that God is delight, that God is enjoying himself, that it's essentially a block party from eternity past with three, three members, right? And it's a Father, Son, Holy Spirit where God is delighting in himself. And at some point in that delight in himself, he went public and he expressed it. 
And Genesis 1 is describing what happened when that God of eternal delight, of eternal love, of eternal glory, of eternal holiness went public and he created a world like a, a, can, a blank canvas and then he painted on it the cosmos and it's something that mirrors his glory, that reflects his glory, that Psalm 19 says shouts his glory. As Isaiah says, it proclaims his glory. God, like an artist, created this cosmos with an expression to say, my, I am glorious like this. So an old theologian called it a theater of glory that humanity was made to live in. And, and, and what it describes here in Genesis 6 is God not only created that world, though, but he created us, it says, in his image. He created us to be like him in some way. And, and the primary unique thing about humanity is, as we see here, that he made us with this unique ability to relate to him, to join in that delight, to, the, to have the capacity to join in that worship and take the raw materials of creation and cultivate them, joining in that delight, joining in that creative uh, nature that God has. God creates out of nothing. We create with what God has provided those raw materials. And he says, delight in me and create. Express your delight in me. And world history was designed to be humanity with full delight in the presence of God, knowing his love, knowing his joy. All the artistic endeavors, all the technological endeavors, on and on and on, all the making and building of families and nations was meant to be in perfect alignment with his glory and his delight in himself. That is what is at the heart of the summons to stewardship. Do you realize this is why Genesis 2, one of my favorite things at weddings is to be able to go over the fact that it's like when I have a bride and a groom standing before me, and this is just like, you know, a preview for when we talk about marriage, where it's like Genesis 2 right after this, God, we see how he like brings the bride to, and brings Eve to Adam and this delight, like, hey, what about her? And then Adam's like, Isha, like he's, he's amazed by this woman and he's, and he starts this poetry and here's the whole point there. He's saying, you too, now not only are you going to cultivate my glory, and steward it, but you now, the two of you, get to be partners in doing that together. And I'm going to give you a scope, an area, kind of a garden of life, and I'm going to call you to do that, to cultivate it together. Wow, what a partnership. What an amazing privilege. God does this with uh, industry and our jobs and our careers. He gives us this sense of kind of an existing problem in the world because we live post-fall, not going there yet, but because we understand there's a, something lacking or broken in the world and we have this desire to, to enter a career field and bring a solution, bring healing, whatever that is, what can I do? And God places those things on our lives because he says, I have wired you in a unique way in all kinds of areas to steward your life for my glory. It's an amazing call, and God has placed it on each and every one of us. God has summoned you to steward your life for his glory and for your joy, for the joy of those around you, right? When you spray the bottle, it goes outward to serve others, to bring that joy to others. 
and God places us, we see here again and again this repetition. Now, I've, I've broken this down before, but whenever you see repetition in the Bible, it's very important because in the Hebrew Scriptures, if you've ever seen, you know, kind of original manuscripts, ancient manuscripts, uh, they would have to, like, kill an animal and, like, write on their animal hide, right? Like, my kids go through reams of paper all day long with crayons, and then they throw them around, right? Like, imagine if we had to, like, you know, take the cat, and you're like, well, if you want to write something, we're going to have to... Uh, and you're like, well, I better make best use of Ainsley, you know, because that's, we only get one stab at this, right? So uh, you only had animal hides, you, you had rocks you would carve on, and so they actually had to make the best use of the room. And so what they would do, because paper and papyrus wasn't made until about the first century AD, and so in the ancient cultures, what they would do is they would, they would write only consonants, no vowels, and it'd be letter, 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 no space, and they didn't have punctuation marks, they didn't have spaces, they didn't have paragraph breaks, they didn't have emojis even, can you believe that? And so how in the world are you to tell when something's being emphasized? This thing here is important. They would repeat it. And so what God does here is he repeats, you're made in my image. He repeats here the idea, I am holy, I am good, and so he made it, and it is good, it is good, it is good, and I made you in my image, I made you in my image, male and female, I've made you in my image, and to do what? To exercise dominion over the various domains of life. It's emphasized again and again and again. You are summoned to be a steward in all areas of your life that God has called you to. Now, before we can look at how do we do that, we have to then look at what, how does it get stifled, though? Where does this go awry? Uh, so second, the stifling of stewardship. Uh, stewardship is stifled when we misunderstand who we are created to be in relationship to God. Stewardship goes awry when we lose sight of who we are created to be in relation to our Creator. Listen to this quote. It comes from a book I was reading recently on worldview, and actually I read this and I was like, oh, this captures it perfectly. Didn't expect to find a quote in this book, uh, but it says, human dignity has two sides. As human beings, we are dignified, but we are not proud of it, for our dignity is born as a reflection of the ultimately dignified God, right? Our dignity comes from Him, yet it is a reflection nonetheless. So people who are theists or believe in God see themselves at a sort of midpoint above the rest of creation, for God has given them dominion over it, Genesis 1, 28 through 30, like we just saw, in Psalm 8, 6 through 8, saying we're just lower than the angels, you can look at Psalm 8 later and see just this profound, like you read it and you go, wow, what it says about how God, what the purpose for which God created human beings and where they exist in the created order. And so one is the ideal, or the one is that we see ourselves as above the rest of creation, but then also we can see ourselves as below and below God, for people are not autonomous, not on their own. So we're made above the rest of creation, but also below God. He's the creator. This is then the ideal, balanced human status. It was in failing to remain in that balance that our troubles arose. We are below God, but also situated above creation. We saw in the last few weeks in John where I, I talked about how God created, the created order is God, man, creation. The fall fundamentally flipped it, where now man worships, instead of worshiping God, man worships creation and then puts himself over God. 
And so what happens, though, is when we get that out of line and we, we miss that balance of the fact that we're above creation but, and we're called to exercise dominion, that we're called to be stewards, but then also then we get an elevated view of ourselves and we believe we're above God. Or we can get the other extreme, which is we believe we're essentially nothing. And that undignified. That we're, I, I, I would almost think of it that this way. Do you guys remember the, some of you who are older, you remember the SNL, the church lady? Right? And you're like, you know, the, well, Santa. What happens when we rearrange the letters of the name Santa? Oh, it's Satan. Hmm. Interesting, right? Uh, it's kind of the same thing. It makes me think of that where it's like we either think that we're gods, that we're above God, we're above everything. We are everything. We determine everything. And it's all our call. And it's all on us. Or on the other hand, rearrange the words gods or dogs, right? <laughs> Rearranging the letters, we think that we're just nothing but dogs, that we're, we're, our, our decisions don't matter at all, that in the grand scheme of things, we're just nothing, and we can have this undignified view of ourselves. And that's that imbalance that we can have that Sire was talking about in that quote. So how do we get handlebars to think about what it means to be balance and to be stewards, to not think of ourselves as gods, but not think of ourselves as dogs as well. There are two aspects when you read Scripture, throughout Scripture, where you see this theme uh, building, expanded. There are two things that always come up in relation to stewardship. The first is this kind of, you could call just the degree to which we have, we focus our time, talent, and treasure, the degree to which we invest it. And we actually focus on it and do something with those things in our lives. But the second then is perspective. Perspective. Do we live our lives merely for our lives in this world? Or do we live our lives with the perspective of the fact of, of eternity? And live this light or this life in light of eternity. And, and when you think about those two aspects, it actually helps to give kind of four quadrants. I love charts because my mind then immediately goes, yes, I can think through this. So I'm going to give you a, a, a unpack a four quadrants. And as I'm doing this, I would want you to be thinking about, and throughout the series, you'll have a chance with various areas of life, but broadly, which quadrant do you find yourself in at this stage of life? So the first one, if we are passive in our investment, Passive with the things that God has placed in our life in these different areas, just kind of floating through them. And, but then we also have a worldly perspective. We'll have shallow living. Uh, sometimes this could be because we can make kind of that super spiritual claim that's like, well, it's not about works, but then it just becomes an excuse to be passive with the things that God has called us to and he's clearly commanded us to invest in and to steward. In fact, in Scripture, what you see again and again is that true faith bears fruit, that true faith is active, that true faith is focused. In fact, if anything, in the Gospels, almost preached today on one of some, several parables in the Gospels where Jesus refers to a steward who, when he goes away, he comes back, and the steward is a poor steward who essentially says, I was here fearful, or I didn't invest, and Jesus rebukes. It's just shallow living. And so what happens when it's paired with a worldly perspective and it's passive, we just float through life. 
Now, what's ironic is we do end up actually stewarding our lives. We do. You can't avoid stewardship in the end. But instead of our stewardship of our life is like that mist, right? This, the stewardship of our life is kind of passively living through things, not taking hold of the things God has given us, taking hold of the plow and plowing that field, whatever it is. And so what happens is, especially in a day like today, I mean like our times that we're living in is what I'm referring to, all these urgent things come in and our lives just kind of spin around chaotically, unfocused, like a miss. And usually, as we'll come back to, it's the tyranny of the urgent is always taking over at every moment. And so we just kind of float through life. Uh, but then what if we have that passive investment, but we have that eternal perspective? Then it leads to slothful living. We know what we should do, but we don't do that thing. Sometimes we have an eternal perspective, but we miss our call to act eternally. What happens is eternity focuses our energy. What's the aim? What's the goal? What's the actual outcome? What's the end of this whole thing? What's the end of my marriage? What's the end of my finances and what God has given me? All these things God has given us in order to invest for eternity. And, and so sometimes we just don't even know what it looks like to invest in eternity. Like, you know, when I became a parent, I, it became apparent to me that I had no clue what I was doing. And one of the reasons was I didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. And all of a sudden I realized like I'm holding this, this little person. And first thing I think of is I need to make more money. Uh, and then the second thing, I, like what do I, how do I take care of this person and keep them alive? But then I also thought this is an eternal being. Like I not only have to keep them alive till tomorrow, they will live for eternity. And so sometimes we just, all of a sudden in life, we just realize, like, I know I should have an eternal perspective, but I just don't know what, what, what that looks like. How do I do this well to God's glory? That, that's, that's why we're doing this series, why we're going through some of these areas. But then if we have active investment and then a worldly perspective, so we're active, we're like, nope, I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to take hold of everything I have. But then it's a worldly perspective. It leads to selfish living. Self-oriented living. Uh, one of the things that's going to happen within two chapters of Genesis 1 is Genesis 3. And that being made in the image of God quickly becomes wanting to be like God. Now, so we could be very active. We could have a very focused, very efficient life, a very optimized life. But it could be optimizing our ability to play God. We invest all of our time, we invest all of our talent, we invest all of our treasure in ourselves. It becomes in our soul, right? I mean, this is so hard to avoid. This is my time, this is my talent, this is my treasure. It exists for me. When in fact, what Scripture presents again and again is that anything you have, your physical capabilities, your intelligence, your, uh, even the family you were born into, if they give you good working habits, all the things in your life that you've been given, the finances you've been given. Like, guys, I know we're, we have a spectrum economically here, but we are in the top 1% of the top 1% of world history. Like, kings, can you imagine if kings walked in and you were like, and he's like, it's hot in here, I guess I'll just sweat. And you're like, we have this thing called AC, and he's like, oh. Magicians, right? Sorcerer. Uh, like, it's insane how we live today. Like, God has given us all the things that we have, though, to be stewarded for His glory. They're on loan. They're on loan. 
We're to be stewards, be vice presidents of the stuff that he's given to us. So while I know selfishness may sound harsh, but I know when I think about it, like I was, I was thinking, if, if I look at where my, like my bank account, like think about actually looking at your schedule, your bank account, like where, my, where does my actual time, talent, where does it actually flow? And I realize, oh, it flows to myself-ish, right? Like it's selfish. Because when we get locked into that worldly perspective, it happens. Now, I think the other thing is, remember in the spray bottle analogy, when you spray, I would say almost when we live this way, it's almost like it doesn't even go outward anywhere. Like our lives just kind of, they're just locked. And where it does go, it just stays in the bottle. Just investing in ourselves. And God calls us, though, to have that impact out there and our kids, and our spouses, and our neighbors, and in the fields that God has placed us in. And I would say the other thing, an even bigger problem, you, I don't know how to order these as far as problems, but the problem is if you have no eternal perspective, if you have no ultimate end, and it's just about optimizing your life, what I would say is when you're always then after the next dollar, you're after the next vacation, you're after the next thing, and, it, and that becomes the end. All those are good, can be good things, but when you're after that as your end, what I'm seeing all around me right now and friends who, you know, we kind of came of age in the self-help movement, and it's like, I'm going to optimize this and optimize every minute and optimize every, every interaction and optimize every dollar and optimize. What happens after a while is it leads to burnout and blowout and bowing out of life. Because at some point, whatever you're trying to optimize to, you go through a season of physical health issues, you go through a season where you just realize you can't optimize anymore or whatever it is, and when you live for this life, eventually you just realize it, it's not going to be enough. And so one of the worst parts about just living for optimization and living selfishly is that it just in the end, it doesn't go where at the beginning you think it will. So it's helpful for us to stop and, and reflect during this series. So I would say through each week when we're looking at different areas, take a moment, like think through that chart, whether it be your finances, your career, parenting, dating, marriage, recreation, your spiritual life, your emotional, whatever it is, your physical life, physical health. If you're honest, which quadrant are you living in? It's probably different areas or different areas, but probably on the whole we're living in one. And be honest with yourself. And the reason is to seek wisdom and how to make the best use of each day. Say, God, will you, will you show me where I'm, I'm just living in one of these quadrants and I'm not living in the fullness? Is it because I'm not experiencing your joy? Is it because I'm not experiencing, I, don't, I just don't know how to do this? Or I'm just waking up every day and I'm so overwhelmed by just the inundation of things and concerns around me and chaos around me that I'm not looking up over it to see like, wow, the, I'm, I'm actually an eternal being and I'm living for eternity. And to get out of just living for the moment right in front of you. Throughout this series, uh, one of the things I want to say here is our value. Uh, we, it can sound like I'm saying, we're going to pursue holiness here, which we want to pursue holiness. We value holiness as a church, but that's an aspirational identity or, or value. It's an aspirational value. Yes, we want to pursue the, the holiness of God, have holy character, be holy stewards, godly stewards of what God has given us. But I, I would like to say that fun our functional value throughout this series is going to be the value of growing in Christ-likeness. Like what we want to do each day, like if I come up here and I say, we value holiness, and you're like, well, I'm not sharing, right? Like when I, but I say, we value growing in Christ-likeness. 
The goal throughout this is to be able to honestly reflect in our lives. What are the areas where I need to grow in my understanding, where I need to know, where I need to grow in my affections for what God has called me to, and grow in acts of obedience to take those steps so I would honor God with my life, to grow in Christlikeness. So lastly, what's the script for stewardship? What's the script? How do we begin doing this? Obviously, the last quadrant on the chart is that active investment in eternal perspective leads to stewardship leads to stewardship. And the difference between in the bottle, between living the diffuse life and just kind of as a mist, and our life just going out a little bit, but kind of being all over the place, but instead being focused, is that you, you tighten the nozzle, that you tighten it, that you focus it, that you direct it. And so how do we go from living shallow, slothful, or selfishly, and instead be stewards? Instead, we focus in on the call that God has called us to. In Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but also more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God wants you to work out what he's working in you. So take a hold by faith. God, what, what are the truths you've given me? What are the realities that maybe even right now my heart's behind or I haven't even thought of, I haven't even focused on, and I'm just kind of in this sea of chaos and demands and things coming into my life. And God, how do I take hold of that? He's saying, work this out. Take a hold of this beautiful, amazing thing. Work it out. Turn the nozzle. Focus your life. So what are four places to start? We're going to come back to this at the end of this series, but what are four steps or four kind of, you could say, twists of the nozzle to help focus your life as a steward? The first is that you would have a focused picture of the end, an eternal perspective. Here's something that you can do. To take time to just imagine at the end of the day, what do we see in Scripture? It says the, the ultimate moment that our lives can lead to is the moment when we stand before our Creator and He looks us in the eyes and He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's rest. Well done. And so the question becomes, what's that moment? When, when, when God says to you, well done, well done, dad. Well done, mom. Well done, husband. Well done, wife. Well done, engineer, well done, whatever, but he's, he's going to speak to us in our name, but when in that area of your life, in your career, in your marriage, in your parenting, in how you steward your, your, your physical health, how you steward your emotional life, all the areas we're going to look at in your finances, when God says, well done, what is he referring to? What are the ways that you, it was well done? What are the things that you would look back at and said, yes, he's saying, well done, because I invested in this. I stewarded towards this. What's that well done moment? Having a vision of that moment. The second one, so first is a picture of the end. And, and then really what that is, is I would say again, Jesus, what we saw in John is that Jesus says, I'll, whoever believes in me, I will flow into streams of living water. And out of him will flow streams of living water. Where God says, well done, because I see where my, the life of my son has poured into you and it's gone through you. But the second one, then, is focus priorities. One of the things throughout this that we're going to be looking at is how do we focus in on and, and discern what's the urgent versus the important domains of life to be focused on. 
Okay, so there, there's places in Scripture where it's like, you know, don't devote yourselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The reality is our lives are filled with all kinds of distractions. They distract us from stewardship by faith. And, and one of the things is all the things in our lives that can get us going every which way, but there are areas that God is calling us to focus and steward on. And so your life will be filled with urgent things, but you're, you are called to focus as well on the important things in life. Uh, there's a famous chart or quadrants, again, that uh, Dwight Eisenhower uh, developed. And this is how it is. And I think most of us often live our lives in the things that are the not important and an urgent, right? So something comes up and you're like, oh, the Kardashians. And then you run around for 24 hours, right? And you're like debating with one another or some fashion trend. or Constantly, people are trying to get our attention. It's monetized. That's what our entire economy now is built around. And so we're constantly running after the urgent but not important. But then we also have the things that are not urgent and not important in our lives. I won't unpack each of these and what these can look like, but that's just kind of the like, well, I, I think it, I'm just, I need to finish this series on Netflix, right? <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to come up with something. But then we also have the things that are important and urgent, and those are going to be things you have to respond to, you have to make the time for. But then what are the things that are important but not yet urgent? What does it look like to, as, to focus on the important things in your life, like perhaps, again, your marriage, to steward your physical health, to focus on your parenting? And see, here's the thing, to focus on them while they're important, but they're not yet urgent. They're not yet on fire. They're not yet falling apart. To invest in them. And the thing is, you're not going to be able to focus on every single area of life all the time, all at once. Especially those of you who are young, you're, you're going to be able to build in friendships, focus on your walk with God, focus on some of these other relational areas before you get to that place of then investing in a marriage. So different seasons of life call for different investments. One of the things we'll look at is how to prioritize what areas to be investing in in the next season and then developing that vision, that picture of the end. And then next you have a focused plan that you have clear, measurable action steps for taking dominion, right? It's easy to just say, yep, I'm going to do that next week, right? We all have this idea kind of, I'm going to be the best dad ever next month, right? Uh, what does it look like if God's calling you to it? To What does that look like today, daily, weekly, monthly, annually, to do that, to take steps? Uh, we'll come back to this chart. Brandon, actually, one of our elders, used this in a sermon on planning, but one of our goals, you can throw up the chart on planning, I think I put it in there, uh, where we don't want to have lives that are, uh, we want to have choices that matter, but also knowing that God is in control and allowing God to be sovereign and following God and allowing him to be in control of our lives. And so we'll come back to that. There it is. We'll come back to it. Too quick, too much to pack, unpack right now. But honestly, oftentimes what we live is that our choices don't matter and that God isn't in control. So we have purposelessness, nihilism. Then we have our choices matter, but God isn't in control. It's all on us. It becomes this prideful sense in humanism. Or that God is in control, but our choices don't matter, and that's fatalism. It just becomes passive. And so one of the things we want to do is take steps of trusting God. Theism is just saying we trust God. It's purposeful and to plan and to put things down and to take those steps. That's something we'll be doing throughout this series. And then lastly, from there, then you don't want to, you can't just start running around and sprinting with all these things. You have to pace it. So the last step is that there's a focused pace. Focus pacing. There, one of the, 
the things that we say all the time as often as a staff or when I mean things that get scheduled get done. When, when am I going to prioritize this? When is it going to happen? When am I going to take that time to sit down and review my finances? When's that time that I'm going to sit down and spend the time I need to intentionally with my spouse? What will that look like? What will the steps I'll take and when will I take those steps? And so as we go through this series, we'll come back to this to have that plan, twisting the nozzle to focus our life in different areas. And by the end of the series, what we'll do in August is we'll have a workshop where we'll just work through this, something we call a steward script, uh, where we work through what does it look like to invest in focused areas of life and trust God to bring transformation as he focuses my life as a steward. And so we'll develop a biblical vision for each domain, develop action steps, and set a pace for growth. But each week along the way, what we're going to do is unpack those various domains. We're going to look at, I think, next week's spiritual health and emotional health, physical health. We'll look at friendships. We'll look at marriage. I think I'm preaching on sex one week, so pray for me. Uh, and then we'll be, uh, we'll be looking at marriage. We'll be looking at parenting. We'll be looking at our fam- what it looks like to be a family and to have a healthy home. We'll look at recreation, education, finances, uh, forgetting one, but vocation. Uh, We'll be looking at careers and what does that look like throughout this series. So why do we do it? Why are we doing this? We're doing this so our lives would not be amiss. We're doing this so our lives would be focused on following the way of Jesus Christ and we would find life in him and then that life would be focused and bear fruit in our lives and so there'd be practical, what does it look like to take hold of that life in all these domains of life so that we would take hold of the glory of God, cultivate them for the glory of God, and for ultimately our joy in Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, for this call to stewardship, Lord, would you help us reveal to us where there might be investments we need to make, where time needs to be reallocated. But Lord, just today as we think broadly about stewardship, Lord, if we've never thought about the call, Lord, if we've only thought of it as kind of you as a separate part of our life, where you're just kind of that spiritual part, you're a compartment, just kind of a a closet in our lives that has nothing to bear on the rest of our lives, Lord, would you begin to just cause us to dream about what it would look like for that walk with you to have an impact in all these different areas of our life? Lord, I pray that we would walk away with a sense of hope that, Lord, you do desire to transform our marriages, you desire to transform our homes, our, our, our dating relationships, Lord, our friendships, all these areas, Lord, you desire for us to know your joy and to cultivate your glory in these areas, for them to be filled with delight and a, and, and a sense of you leading us to more and deeper and richer life in you. And so, Lord, would you guide us? Would you help us to see what steps we need to take as stewards? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.